morning, church. Welcome. It's really great to have you all here today. Um, Ian's away this week. He had a um, previous um, engagement that he had booked in. Um, so I'm going to be speaking today. And um, I think that um, God's got something really cool and really important to say to us. So um, let's just pray before we start. Um, God, just come and be in this place. Come and speak through me. Come and open our ears and our hearts and help us to hear your truth. In your name, amen. Right. We're going to start with a game this morning. Um, yes, someone's really excited. That's awesome. Okay, um, now it's a really easy game, and you guys have probably done this before, but in a second, I'm going to put two pictures up on the screen. There are 10 differences. I'm going to give you like 30 seconds to see if you can find them all. Go. confused faces happening. All right, did anyone find all 10? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. All right, just a little observation on this. You, go, you can keep looking, but um, just a little observation on this. Like, you guys are really loving this, right? I'm looking at the enthusiasm levels. Like, you guys are really loving this, like, looking for the difference, right? And that's really fun when we've got two pictures on the screen and we're just like trying to find what's different. But the problem is that a lot of the time we take this spot the difference thing into our lives. So I remember one day I was driving, um, just driving, and um, this car came past, right? And I kind of, you know, it was overtaking me. So I kind of look over at the person and I'm like, that person is a real estate agent, for sure, right? And then the, they drove past and their number plate said something like sold, or just something that was like super stereotypical, oh my goodness, you are a real estate agent, right? Like we like to look at people and make a judgment and go, ah, that's what you are, right? And um, as Christians, we're not immune to this whole thing of, like, spot the difference, right? Um, I, I grew up in a fairly um, conservative Adventist family, and um, I remember that my pop-up, he had a tattoo on his arm here, right? It was super hardcore. It was a scroll with the word mother written on it, <laughs> right? But I remember that it was kind of this 
scandalous thing that he had this tattoo on his arm. And the only thing that kind of made it okay was that he got this tattoo before he met Jesus, right? Okay. But we, as Christians, we can get really silly about this stuff, right? And we get these boundary markers and we start putting them up all over the place. It's like, I don't know, maybe you're from a different kind of Adventist era, but my Adventist growing up era means that I can't dance. Anyone else in that category? (laughs) Okay, right? So it's like, we don't dance, and if we do dance, well, we don't dance like that. Okay? Or it might be, um, hey, we, we, um, we don't wear that. We don't wear the thing that's that short or that tight or that low or whatever it is that we're concerned about. Um, Or it could be the things that we do or don't eat, right? I remember remember, um, we lived with my parents for a time and and, um, they are a lot more conservative than we are and we, um, we had this name for bacon in our family. We used to call it flat chicken. So that if the kids, you know, dropped it, there was no, your mum and dad didn't know. And I remember we went out to, to a cafe one day for breakfast and we, we'd forgotten to word the kids up on anything. And um, Coops were just like, yeah, I want a bacon and egg roll. And my mum's face was just like... <laughs> and I was like, oh dear. Right? Boundary markers. Okay. What about... Um, it's like, well, hey, we... Uh-oh, here we go. We, do, we listen to this kind of music, but not this kind of music. And we use these instruments, but not those instruments, right? Or, oh, here's a good one. All the things to do with Sabbath, right? What we do and what we don't do. And we put them down. And then you go to big camp, right? And it's, um, it's well, we'll still eat on Sabbath, but you must get your voucher beforehand. <laughs> we, put out a little, we put out our little boundary markers, right? So that everybody knows that we're different, because we know as Christians, like it, it's kind of an inherent knowledge that we should be different as Christians. Yeah? Because if we're not different, then what, what are we doing? Why would we bother being a Christian if there's nothing different between us and anybody else? So we know that we should be different. And so we start putting all of these little markers out to show, well, this is, this is, we're different because we do this. And we're different because we don't do that. problem with boundary marker Christianity. Well, there's many, there's many problems, but let's talk about some of them. Here we go. First thing is it causes division, right? This creates a them and us mentality. Like, we're on the inside here and you guys are on the outside there. So we know who's in and we know who's out. Yep. And then with the people who are on the inside, we can start to rank people, Right? You've got your really good Christians and you've got your, you probably need to try a bit harder Christians, right? Which is totally against everything that God stood for when he instituted this idea of church. He says, you are one body. I want you to be one. Not divided, not ranked, not ordered. I want you to be one. Another problem with these boundary markers that we like to use to define ourselves as Christians is that they don't measure our heart. There's no boundary markers around your heart, right? As long as you look good, as long as you 
don't have the tattoos, as long as you, you know, bought your, pre-purchased your meal voucher, as long as you did all of the things right, you can have anything you want in your heart. You can be greedy, you can be selfish, you can be judgmental, you can be anything you want, nobody knows, because they can't see that. And that doesn't make you a good Christian. And the third problem with it, with this idea of boundary markers, is that boundary markers are not meant to be the thing that makes us different as Christians. Right? Jesus said, I've got a new, true identity marker for you. In John 13, verse 35, he says this. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Your love, verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That is our identity marker as Christians. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. See, when Jesus came, Jesus was bumping into boundary markers all the time, right? He's with the Pharisees and, you know, he's healing on the Sabbath and he heals again on the Sabbath, you know, and he eats grain on the Sabbath and um, I don't know what else he did. He cleared out the temple, right? He's up against these boundary markers all the time. Jesus didn't come to set up boundary markers to keep people out. He came to set up a cross that invites people in. So if our marker, if our identity marker as Christians is love, what does that look like? And I'll admit, I was sitting on the lounge last night after going home from practice and um, getting cranky at my husband because he wouldn't make the pudding and getting cranky at my children because they wouldn't hop in bed. I'm like, what are you doing standing up the front telling people how to love? You have no idea. <laughs> right? But we're all learning. So let's give ourselves some grace, hey? All right. Um, I remember years back when my children were really little, um, there was a lovely mum who used to come to our church here, church here Carol Shearer. I don't know if any of you remember her. But she had, at the time, she had four kids... Like, she was just, she's got five now. She had four kids. And um, I just remember we would have these play groups and these play dates, and she was just so calm. Like, so calm with her kids and so nice when she talked to her kids. And I'm just, like, yelling at my kids because they're not doing the right thing. And she's just like, hey, don't do that. And, like, she was so nice to her kids. And every time I was with her, it made me a better parent. If we want to learn how to love better, right, we need to be spending time with the person who best knows how to love, and that was Jesus. Okay, the more time we spend with him, the more time we're in his presence, the better we get at loving people. Okay. Um, one of the things that Jesus kept telling people to do there was two things, and he, he repeated them over and over. He said, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and I want you to love your neighbour as yourself. 
Um, one of my, I have lots of um, female Christian mentors. I don't know any of them, I've never met any of them, they're all online. Um, one of my favourites, though, is um, a lady named Kristen Walsh. Um, and she has this beautiful quote, and she says, can we just pop that up before you go? God invites us to simply live out the gospel by loving our neighbours. Right? To live out the gospel by loving our neighbours. And the gospel is simply the message that God's unfailing love for us has come through Jesus. In John chapter 1, it talks about um, who God is, who Jesus was, and it says in verse, um, chapter 1, verse 17, it says, God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. But this wasn't a new idea, this idea of God's unfailing love. If we look through the Old Testament, like this story of God pre-Jesus, over and over and over and over again, all these verses here, God's unfailing love, unfailing love, unfailing love. It's been coming and coming and coming and coming and when Jesus comes, it's here and it's ours. The gospel is the message of God's unfailing love coming through Christ. And the thing about Jesus is that Jesus didn't come to teach the gospel. He came to be the gospel. He came to take his cross and he came to be love. And he calls us as his disciples to do the same. He doesn't want us to tell the gospel. He wants us to be the gospel. He wants us to be love in the world. Because the thing about love and the thing about the gospel is that it doesn't happen here. We have this idea that this is the place where all the God stuff happens, right? God's like, no. Your everyday, ordinary, seven-day-a-week life is where all of this happens. Love happens outside of the church. Love happens in all the places that you go and all the people that you meet. And love is how we get the gospel out of the church and into the world. There's a verse um, in Luke where Jesus is talking to his followers and he's like, if you want to follow me, here's, here's kind of the deal. And um, he says, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. And I've often... You know, you hear that idea of picking up your cross and denying yourself and picking up your cross as like this difficult burden, like the cross is like this big heavy thing that we've got to lug around with us every day. But it's not. The cross is the symbol of love, right? So when Jesus says, I want you to deny yourself, I want you to give up your own way and I want you to pick up your cross, he's saying, I want you to pick up love every day. And the thing about the way that we love is that we've learnt this kind of selfish love, right? Where if it's difficult or it's inconvenient or the person's annoying or whatever, we're just like, 
I'm going to walk away from that. Now, in light of the events um, that have taken place this week, um, I'm not talking about unsafe kind of love and moving into those spaces. But often, we just take this into our ordinary, everyday interactions, right? This person annoys me, therefore I'm putting up a wall and I'm not going to put love in that direction, yeah? Right? Kids, you probably do it with your brother and sister. Okay. Families, you know, your husband's annoying. <laughs> not my husband, your husband. Right? But the thing is, like, we want an easy kind of love. And God's like, no. I didn't come to give you an easy love. I didn't come because you deserved it. I came while you were still a sinner and I died for you because my love is unfailing. And he says, I want you to take that same love that I've given you and I want you to pass it on. Um, I think... We need to bring a better definition of love into our everyday life. Um, there's that really famous passage, the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, and we often pull this out at weddings and you know those kinds of romantic occasions as though that is the space where this kind of love lives. Yeah? Jesus is like, this is your ordinary, everyday kind of love. Love is patient and kind. Every day, everywhere. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. This is not just a romantic kind of love. This is your ordinary, everyday, everyone kind of love as a Christian. Um, there's actually there's a verse in, um, I think it's in Matthew where Jesus is talking about um, what things are going to be like at, at the end times. And, you know, we kind of like getting all excited about that. Um, but there's a thing in there where he says that the love of many will grow cold. And I've always heard people talk about that, like, people will stop loving God. Right? But no, that's not where love happens. The love of many will grow cold. You only have to look at our culture, at our society, at our environment on any kind of internet platform to see that the love of many is growing cold, right? We can't disagree on something and still be kind to one another. We can't disagree on things and still love one another. But here's the thing, this kind of ordinary everyday, love is patient kind of love, it builds a bridge instead of a barrier. And the world right now needs people who know how to love well. Um, I, 
was thinking, you know, we, we talk about this love and it sounds exhausting, right? And it kind of, it is to do it on your own. Like to be patient all the time with everyone, with the most annoying person that you know, with the person who deserves it the least. It's a hard thing to do. It requires something of us, right? And eventually, you give and you give and you give and you give and suddenly it's all gone and you've got nothing left, right? And so I think that's part of the reason why we hold back with this idea of love is that it's like, well, I don't want to run out. So I need to, I need to pace it. I need to make sure that I've got enough for this day and then a little bit left over for the next day and, you know, but the thing is, I'm going to read you a verse from Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says, For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Right? So this is you. This is you in your ordinary every day, right? And you've got nothing to give. And we have the Holy Spirit and we have the cross and we have love and we have the bearer of love living inside us. We don't even have to go anywhere or do anything to get this. This is you, right? And you go in, right, with the Holy Spirit. And look, there's plenty to share. And when it runs out, right, you go back and you get more and you do it again and you love again and again and again. Unfailing love. Unfailing love. Oops, sorry. That's how we love. We don't love in our own strength. We don't love from our own resources. We have been given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So when we're running low, go back. Go back to the cross where it all comes from. Let the Holy Spirit fill you so that we can pick up our cross and we can follow him into the world. I want to leave you with a prayer this morning that Paul prayed over his church once. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully.